In this day, I had no idea the whole trajectory of my entire life would change. So I'm about to go to work, I get a phone call from my father and he tells me, Hey, come back over here to grandma's house, got something to show you. So I went there, and in their hand was a piece of tin foil, a straw and a lighter. And I took a hit of it, and I took another hit of it, and I took my third hit of it, and it had me. But when I got arrested and I went into jail, I went into the, my very first cell with this woman. She looked at me and she said, You're getting the top bunk, and in this cell we read the word of God. One day, I was on my bunk, probably several weeks later, maybe a month later, and a woman came in with her speaker box and microphone. She said, ladies, if you're done living life the way you've been living it and you need hope, his name is Jesus Christ. She says, you can receive him right now, not just believe there's a God, but you can receive him. And if you know that he died for your sins and you believe that he rose on the third day and you ask forgiveness for your sins, you can ask him to live inside of your heart and your entire life will change. And I thought, Yes! So I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. My parents divorced when I was a baby. So it was hard for my mom. She was a single mom, had to work full time. And I just remember going back and forth. My, my father, he remarried. He had three other children. And at a very young age, uh, she got full custody of me and I would have to go and see him every other weekend. So like I said, he remarried, I had three other siblings, and I just didn't understand why it was that I had to go back and forth. And there it was, I had siblings, and they had both mom and dad. This is in the early 80s, so divorce wasn't really that prevalent then. Mm. And so I realized at a very young age, I started feeling angry, anxious, insecure. I didn't know why, and I didn't even know what those emotions were. I just remember the fact that there it was, I was the one being carted around. I was seeking the attention from my mom. She had to work full time. I'd go back and forth from um, different people in my family. They would watch me while she would work and I just wanted the attention from my mom. And then when my dad would pick me up, he did, he showed up for the part, but when he dropped me back off at his house, he would leave. So for that weekend, it was like, well, where's my dad? I just want to talk to my dad. And he wasn't there either. So there it was, both parents. I wasn't uh, getting that attention that I so much yearned for and needed. And it was just basically me and my siblings and my stepmom. And I just remember feeling so anxious going there, um, growing up and angry. As I became a young teenager, um, I started showing signs of this re this rebellion that I had inside of me because at a young age I was sexually abused and I never told anyone. It was something I kept inside and there was this pain inside of me that just built on this anger that I already had and I never told anyone and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I started drinking. I remember I started smoking cigarettes. I, remember I sm started smoking marijuana. And I thought, okay, well, at least that masked the pain and I didn't have to deal with it and moving forward. And then I realized also that uh, about the age of 16, uh, my father started showing these signs of just physical abuse and um, verbal abuse. He was a great encourager. He was a fun guy, sober. But unfortunately, I never knew that sober dad as much as I knew the dad who would drink and become quite a different person. And it was in that physical abuse of him that there again was that pain, that anger, and it was hurtful. It was so hurtful to me. I just didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know even who I was. Nobody would 
really pour into me in that sense. So it was just like everybody was living to their capacity. And I didn't know it as a young child what was going on. I just needed to be loved. And so when that abuse started uh, from my father um, and the other abuse was going on by someone separate, again, I didn't tell anybody. My mom would ask me, what is going on with you? Because my grades started dropping. My grades started dropping. I started skipping school. Actually, my music started changing too. Here I was, a young girl listening to Paula Abdul, and then suddenly it's to Pantera and Megadeth and just angry music. I wanted a way of expression, which then led to me cutting my arm, burning my arm, taking an eraser, and just kind of just rubbing my skin off, not realizing what I'm doing. I would hide it. There was that pain. And I wasn't telling anybody. My mom so badly wanted to know what was going on. And I would just say, leave me alone. I would not let her in. My poor mom. Um, growing up it, to be about 16, I had, I got pregnant. I had my first abortion. And I dropped out of high school. Got my GED. And at that time, I thought, you know what? Dropped out of high school. I'm going to take this little course to become um, a nurse assistant. And I worked inside of an uh, assisted uh, a living facility, taking care of the elderly. At first I was in the kitchen and then I was slowly becoming a caregiver, which then I realized I want to be a nurse. About the age of 19, um, actually no, sorry, still at 16, a lot happened during this time. My stepbrother, who was a little older than me, uh, went away to prison for life. My biological father went away to jail for two years. My grandfather passed away. I was really close with him. He passes away. And also my stepmother divorced my father while he was in jail. And they moved, she took uh, my siblings and they moved away to Nevada. And it was just like a lot of loss in, in one moment of, of time. And again, I don't know how to cope. I'm not talking about it. So I'm just keeping it inside and I'm just going to those vices to escape this pain. I don't want to touch on it. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to talk about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do more of what I know to do and that's drink and smoke marijuana and go to parties, do some cocaine, do some LSD, whatever it was. I was still working, holding a job. And now I'm about 19 and my father gets out of prison. My uncle comes out from California and they're brothers. And one day I'm about to go to work. And in this day, I had no idea that the whole trajectory of my entire life would change. So I'm about to go to work. I get a phone call from my father and he tells me, hey, come back over here to grandma's house. Got something to show you. I'm like, well, what is it? I'm going to work. He's like, no, 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 just come on over here. You know, your uncle's here. Let's just, just come here. And I had an idea of what it was by the way he was talking. I'm sure it was some dope or some way of escape. And so I thought, okay, I can stop there. So I went there. I went down in the basement and there they were in the corner of the basement, like two little rats in the corner. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, no, no, come here, come here. And in their hand was a piece of tin foil, a straw and a lighter. And they're like, come here, take a hit of this. Well, I said, well, what is it? Just come take a hit of it. And I'm like, well, what is it? Just, just, just. And I took a hit of it. And I took another hit of it, and I took my third hit of it, and it had me, and I knew it. it was weird. I thought, whoa, I said, gotta go, gotta go to work. Got in the car, drove to work. I went to work, I worked my shift, I was up the next day or two, and I thought in that moment, this is what I'm looking for. Because that hit was so strong, 
that it covered everything what it was that I thought that I was running from. This is my answer. Wow. So where do we get more of this was my next question. And I, and I honestly felt in that moment something took control over me. And my uncle said, well, it's in California and this and that. I said, no problem. I packed up my car and I drove to California living off of three credit cards that I had. No plan, no goal. So we drove to California. I didn't even tell my mother. I left for three days, eventually called her. At that time, we didn't have cell phones. Just called her from a payphone. I said, I'm in California and she couldn't believe it. So here I am. Um, we get to the drug dealer's house. We get the dope because for those three or four days we were traveling, no dope. And we were just on this mission. And it didn't matter. And so I thought, well, just as long as we get our dope. And it didn't matter where I lived. At first, it was motel to motel. Then it was after my credit cards maxed out. It was to drug dealer house, to drug dealer house, wherever I could lay my head. That was number one. The drugs were first. Then maybe we eat because on meth, you just don't eat. You don't really take care of yourself. You're not thinking about what matters. And so time is going on. You're up for days and just months are going by. And during this time, I'd call my mom and I would just lie so much. Like, yeah, I got a job. I got a place. It's going great. You know, I would just come up with all these stories. And I don't know. She must have believed me, but probably knew in her heart something was going on. But again, I wouldn't let anybody in. And at this time, I'm of a legal age. And so months are going by, like I said. Years are going by. And um, eventually, money is always an issue because drugs come first. And so here I am living in a car. I would go to different places to try to take a shower. And sometimes I would even try to find like the best bathroom at like a Carl's Jr. Or, or, or a gas station, wherever it was the cleanest, where I could have an outlet to maybe plug in a curling iron. I don't know. Um, but it didn't matter again, because all that mattered was that I was trying to chase that first hit that I had that told me this is where it's at. There was this lie I was running um, and believing and running with. And so there it was. Um, years are going by and probably around 25-ish, I met a guy. And this guy introduced me to my new addiction. And that addiction was fraud and identity theft. Why was it my new addiction? Well, it was in that moment that I thought I had purpose. I realized quickly I could make a lot of money real quick. And isn't that going to be the answer to everything? Because I've been poor my entire life. I need money to support my habit. I got to get off the streets and get out of this car. I realized how easy it was. It was scary because I couldn't believe it worked. And there it was. Another thing came in was like, this is it. And there was this false sense of power that I had. That went on from 25 to 29, this lifestyle with this boyfriend. We acquired a house, the clothes, the jewelry, the car, everything I thought that I wanted. But I was empty, so empty, so hurt, still so angry. It was never enough, never enough. What an isolated life it was. It was scary. It was crazy. It was insane. I just didn't know how to get out of it. And every time I thought, like, well, what am I going to do with myself? But I'd quickly just run from that, again, escape to the pipe, take a hit, and not think about it anymore. Around the age of 29, the boyfriend and I got arrested. This guy I was with, he was in a gang, and uh, he was on parole. He was in a gang. And because we got arrested together, and we, we were called co-defendants, so when we got arrested, I was housed in an area of the jail where it's higher security. 
So it basically just means you're not going to go in what they call general population around other inmates. You're actually in an area where it's more secure. You don't come out of your cell sometimes for 36 to 48 hours. Before this, I was arrested a couple of times, but it was like a weekend, week thing, got out on probation, nothing to scare me. So actually during this time when I got arrested, I was on probation and this time it was going to be a lot more. I didn't realize it then. But when I got arrested, I went into jail. I went into the, my very first cell with this woman. And I remember this woman very vividly. And she sat there and she looked, she looked tough. And I thought, here I am. I'm just like so empty, so broken, so like sickly because now I'm not on the dope. I'm not high off adrenaline. I'm not, I'm about to face reality for the first time in my life. I go into the cell and she looked at me and she said, you're getting the top bunk. And in this cell, we read the word of God. And I thought, whatever lady. I got up on the top bunk. I tried, I was just so tired and she let me sleep. She knew, she knew I was a mess and I was just sleeping and sleeping. And finally she said, it's time. We're going to read the word. And I thought, I better read the word. <laughs> I don't want to mess with her. All right, so I'm going to start reading the word. And I, when I read it, I didn't understand it, but I was just trying to, you know, keep the peace, reading the word. And she had this idea. We had these, uh, this paper and a little golf pencil. She said, how about we just write it out? How about you just write it out? And I thought, okay, let's just write it out. I mean, we have all day, all night. So all I knew is as I did that, I started feeling peace in a sense. I wasn't so scared. And I felt life kind of come into my body because I came in, I was looking really bad. I had dark circles under my eyes. I was so sucked up and skinny from the meth and just no life inside of me. And I just remember as we were writing out these scriptures, life came back. And this woman was sort of a security blanket for me. Well, she got out a couple weeks later, she was released. And I thought, no, where, oh man, now, now I'm gonna be by myself. And uh, she prayed over me, she left. And I remember feeling this huge cloud of depression. Like, oh no, what am I gonna do? So what did I do? Cause I only knew to run. I went back to try to sleep. Just sleep, just sleep. And eventually you just can't sleep anymore. One day I was on my bunk, probably several weeks later, maybe a month later. And I did, I wrote out those scriptures still and I read. A uh, ministry came in and a woman came in with her speaker box and microphone. And I was laying on my bunk. I couldn't see her because the only way to see her is if I went to my door to look out the window. Wait, so just to clarify, mm -hmm. there was like a, uh, like a jail ministry that came in or... It was a jail ministry, yes. Okay. Yes. And they came in basically to preach the word of God to, to inmates. Yeah, it must have been on a Sunday. And what they do is they just come, they worship, they give you the word, and they allow an opportunity to receive Jesus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was going on then, but <laughs> I know that now. So I'm laying on my bunk, and I'm looking up, and she just gets on her microphone, and she said, Ladies, we're going to worship the Lord. And she just went at it, right? And she was singing, and she sang so passionately that something broke in me. Because again, I never let anything out. And it was in that moment I remember I was just crying, crying. I thought to myself, wow, what is going on? What is happening? And then she said it. After, the, after she worshiped, she said, ladies, 
If you're done living life the way you've been living it and you need hope, his name is Jesus Christ. She says you can receive him right now, not just believe there's a God, but you can receive him. It's not enough to just believe, but you need to receive him. And if you know that he died for your sins and you believe that he rose on the third day and you ask forgiveness for your sins, you can ask him to live inside of your heart and your entire life will change. And I thought, yes, that yes, I said that prayer, I meant that prayer. She said, if any of you said that prayer, come to your cell so I can see you. I literally leaped so high and I was like, me, 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 that was me. She said, I see you up there anywhere, anyone else, anyone else? And I thought, no, me, me, me. She goes, I see, I'm praying for you. Okay, all right, ladies. And she probably gave a word of encouragement or what have you. She packed up her stuff and she left. And I thought, so now what? But it was in that moment I did feel a relief. There was like a relief. There was something different. I didn't know what it was. So I went back to what I did. I wrote out those scriptures. And all of a sudden it was different. It was as if it was speaking to me personally. It was as if there was a person in this book speaking to me. Mm. And as I'm writing out scriptures and as I'm reading about who Jesus is and God and, and his promises, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I can't believe this is in here. And I'm understanding it. I was like, I didn't understand it before. Well, as I know now, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in and I can now understand what these scriptures are saying to me. And I'm sitting there facing seven years. And the first time in my life, I had peace. I had joy. And I thought, wow. Now, I'm not being ministered to or, or guided by anyone. I'm just in this cell all the time. But I did have a chaplain come by once a week. And she'd come by, she'd give me Bible studies. She told me, memorize these scriptures. I said, how you do that? Write it out. I said, I already am. She goes, keep writing it out. It'll be in your heart. And these scriptures started coming alive. I started understanding really and applying it. It was starting to be applied. And I, I couldn't wait for her to come. I'd say, you mean, you mean in Matthew 6.33 where like if we just put God and his righteousness first, then everything else is added? Because the world's way is the opposite. Like, we go to God last, maybe, if there's a problem. And she says, you got it, kid. And I'm like, wow, what an awesome truth. So this is happening. I'm going to court. I'm still fighting my case. And right now, I needed a miracle because I was still connected to this um, co-defendant, the, the boyfriend at the time. And I remember going to court. And my attorney said, you know what? The judge, he's tough. And you call yourself a Christian, so maybe you want to say a prayer. You're facing seven years. And I thought, oh, my goodness. She goes, we need this case separated because they are ready to sentence you. But we need it separated from him because he wants to continue to fight the, the other co-defendant. So all I said and all I could muster up was, Lord, help. Help. The judge came out. Yeah, he, 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 he looked scary. And he sat down. He opened up my file. And in the corner of my eye, the prosecutor came in. She sat down, stood up. We all stood up. And he opened it up and he said, I don't even want to see this case. This case is separated and sentencing goes to Judge Meyer. And I thought, what just happened? And he goes, and you, to the prosecutor. 
don't come to my courtroom late. And she's about to say why she's late. He says, and I don't even want to hear about it. He shut the file, got up and left. And I thought, what just happened? And when you're in jail, they don't just sit down and explain it to you. They just quickly get you back up in, in your holding cell and that. And I had no idea, but I think it was good because my attorney's like, hey, it was in that moment that I saw the hand of God. I really saw the hand of God, his mercy. I deserved seven years, but his hand was there. He allowed that moment to happen because he knows the beginning and the ending of our lives. I didn't know that then. I know that now. And there he was showing me his mercy, his love, the love that I've been looking for my entire life. It was in that moment that I said, okay, okay, God, whatever it is, but I know you're real. And I was so thankful. I was so thankful that I saw him personally in that moment, that hand of mercy, that hand of grace. So the case got separated. Well, I got out. During that time, I then did, my security level dropped. I went into general population, which was really scary. And But the Lord had me there in front of other inmates. I was able to hold Bible studies, actually facilitate some life skill classes. And it was all because the Bible was just getting in and transforming me. And I had this, I just knew that I would never be the same and I would never come back. So now that was the easy part. And, and at this point, Jessica, how long now have you been in prison like as now you're even uh beginning to minister and, and god is beginning to use you yeah um this is seven months in seven months in yeah and it was during the time of the isolation that it was just me and the holy spirit our wonderful counselor and he truly is ministering to me through the word it was there was nobody else it was just me holy spirit and word of god and that word is alive and active and it was changing me and the lord showed me immediately all the people i needed to start forgiving by their faces their faces would come to mind i was like lord how do i do that and it would be interesting because i'd open the word and i'd ask him how do i do that and he'd bring me right to the scripture on how to do that i thought wow i didn't even realize what was happening then but looking back, that's exactly what was happening. Our wonderful counselor was teaching me all truth and healing me, letting things go, giving it to him. So, okay, back to general population. I'm facilitating these life skill classes. And um, I get out. I got two years. I did my two years. I got out. That was the easy part. And, and just to clarify here, Jessica, too, I don't think you mentioned it. And it goes without saying, but just to clarify, what was the, the um, I know you were facing seven years, but what were the, the, the cases against you? Like, what were you charged with? Yeah, I did identity theft and fraud. I had commercial burglary, identity theft and fraud, um, and possession. I also was on a three-year probation. So that kind of gives you the max sentence of what they would give you if this was my first time. So it wasn't like my first arrest, it was probably my third or fourth. And so with that, they, I was facing seven years, especially being um, involved with the boyfriend. He had a lot of evidence on him as well that they were trying to tie me to, but couldn't prove. So that's when the case did get separated. Uh, he ended up getting 12 years. And um, so, yeah, that's really yeah. where it was. God's hand was totally, totally involved. Totally involved. Yeah. Tell us about what happened next. You uh, you mentioned you did two years, and um, um, yeah, tell us tell us where what did the Lord begin to do even after that? So two years, I get out and um, I have all these felonies, seventeen to be exact, and it's not easy getting work. 
and I knew the struggle. But again, I knew God was real. He tells me He's my provider. He tells me He has a plan and, he, and a purpose. And I was praying, Lord, Lord, you know, before I got into this mess, I love the elderly people. Could it be possible? I know everybody's rejecting me, but could it be possible you can open up a door for me to be a caregiver again? And you know, I prayed that prayer for several, mo several months, and I was living in a place that was very temporary. And I knew I had to get out of there. One day on Craigslist, there was an ad, and the ad said, Christian elderly woman seeking caregiver with thick skin. I thought, this is my job. I knew it. I knew it in the spirit. This has to be my job. I don't know how. So I, I put up a resume. I sent it. I had a phone interview. I talked to the daughter of this woman. And I just said, we had it was going great. And I asked the question I feared the most. What are the requirements? She said, well, background check, fingerprinting. And I thought, whoop, click, hung up the phone. Fear came over, and I thought, oh, boy. I said, Lord. And the Lord just gently said, call her back. I prayed. I said, give me the courage. I've never really been transparent, never really had this moment of transparency and the truth. I said, well, what do I have to lose? So I called her back. She said, thank you for calling back. It was going so well. I said, listen, I have a background and uh, you're not going to like what you see. And she said, well, could you briefly explain? So I briefly explained. And uh, she said, honey, if you can handle my mother, we'll give you a try. I thought, what? Okay. So the next day was the interview. And still, Fear wanted to say, well, they'll run your name and then they'll change your minds. No, 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 no. I was with her seven and a half years. Wow. It was interesting. The Lord, yes, he provided for me an income. Yes, that wasn't what it's all about. He's multifaceted. He actually, this woman had four children and a husband. Three of her four children and husband all passed away. So when I came out of the scene, it was a confirmation from the Lord because I was able to come and love on her with the Word of God, and everything that was inside of me wanted to come and support her. Not only that, he confirmed that I had the date of birth as her first child that passed away, not mm. the same year, same month, same day. When I started, it was the date that her husband had passed away, not same year, same month, uh, same day. And I thought to myself, wow, God, you're confirming things. And there was a healing process also through this relationship, that love, that support. I've been praying because I'm single and I always want to be a mom and, and just she showed me those things. So, you know, what we're praying for, God prepares us for. So she taught me how to be a housewife. She taught me how to be, you know, about forgiveness. What does marriage look like, you know, and how to eat healthy, all these things that I needed. And it was it was wonderful relationship. Uh, she, I was with her seven and a half years. She passed away. Uh, la was it last August? Um, and so I was out of work again. And it was during those eight months of being unemployed, I said, okay, Lord, I still have these felonies, I need work, you know, and the Lord opened up another door. Um, he said, you know, I've always been with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am still your provider. Look what I've done here and here and here. And I had to hold on to that. And he opened up another door. I'm with a lady who's very similar to my last lady. And it's very interesting. But God is good. You know, here I am with all these felonies. And he opened up these doors for me to do exactly what it is that I asked for. Also, you know, my, my biggest thing was, was when I got that job, my first job, I um, failed to get plugged into a church, 
right away. And because of that, the first uh, guy that I met who said he was a Christian, I thought was going to be my husband. And because of that, uh, we were together two years, but it wasn't lining up with the word. He said, you know, I mean, we went to church, we read the word, we prayed, we evangelized, we were doing these things um, that I thought Christians do. But then at the end of the night, he would prepare a margarita, and you know what happens after that. And so it's just like, wait a minute, this isn't right. And I knew in my spirit, I don't want to, I'm a miserable Christian because I keep willfully doing these things, and I'm grieving grieving the spirit inside of me. So the Lord showed me, it took me two years to leave this guy. And then that's when he opened up a door. Because I said, Lord, I don't have any friends. I don't have the right people in my life. Could could you bring me the right people? And of course, he brought me to the right church. I went to a women's retreat. And it was through this retreat that I felt the fellowship. I had this accountability because nobody knew what I was doing before. They didn't know. So like, there's no accountability. Who would ever know? God knew. And so I had this friendships and the right people, people my age in the same season and just Bible studies and fellowships. And then I started accelerating in my growth and my walk. And then I realized God was calling me to a prison ministry. And he would ordain for me to meet a woman that was the senior chaplain in my um, in the jail that I got saved at. I met her at this prison ministry. She was guest speaking that night. I'm like, okay, guest speaking. And the pastor said, she she's barely here, but she's speaking tonight. Hmm. And I looked at her and I said, I know her. And when she introduced herself of who she was, I said, that's how I know her. And I couldn't wait. I said, I know this is of the Lord. So now the Lord is full circle. He has me going back to actually two counties to share not only the testimony, but you know, just encourage encouragement to to these women who are incarcerated um, in jail and giving them hope that Jesus can come in and change your entire life, you know? And so it's just amazing to be used by God and um, that He's using this story. This is the story. I encourage everyone to use the story because this is how we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I actually have a picture here. Yep. This was me 12 years ago lost, angry, broken. This was me. And um, darkness, light. You know, he comes in and he changes everything. So, yeah. Hmm. Jessica, when, uh, when you went into prison, you went with pain from sexual abuse, pain from I mean, drug addiction, um, a lot of the things that you were trying to suppress. When you came out, what was the temptation like? Was there any temptation to go back to the drugs? And and how did God help you in that when you came out? Because now you have freedom. I cultivated this habit in jail of every day reading the Word. And I knew, and I took that outside of jail, even though I got very distracted when I got out. Um, I was not planning on going back to drinking and, and smoking. I picked that back up. But it's the people that were around. And life happens. And there it is. We uh, we have this enemy that wants to come in and just little by little make it so tempting. Like, oh, well, you work today. You can have a drink. You're delivered from meth because God delivered me from a 10-year addiction. I mean, radically. But I thought, well, I still like margaritas. I could do that. 
And so, yes, the temptation was there. Like I said, that guy that I was with, here he was as Christian. At the same time, I thought, oh, I'm safe. But no, it was that same behavior that, oh, this is your happy place. Because I found myself going to that drink, having one, but then this obsessing thought of, no, you need more. And then tonight we can do that. And then tomorrow. And that's all I would start thinking about. However, because I was in the Word, because I was in the Word, that Word kept convicting me. Mm. So I would thank God for His Holy Spirit living inside me to convict me because I felt the Bible calls it as a quenching of the Spirit. There's this conviction now where before it would be no problem. But now I'm like, no, I don't have peace. No, this doesn't feel right. And there was more suffering in the sin I was doing, you know, the next day that I said, it came to this point where, you know what, it's just not worth it anymore. Jessica, who is Jesus to you? The first word that comes to my mind is Redeemer. You know, he took me from the pit of hell, the darkness, into his son, his light. He is my redeemer, my deliverer. He delivered me from a 10-year addiction, my healer. He healed me from the abuse, the pain I was running from. See, there's this hole inside of me that I was trying to fill that only God could fill. I didn't know it then. I know it now. And he came in and he healed me. Not all at once. It's little by little because he wants us to depend on him. Because if we just had it all right then and there, we, we're still so smart and capable, so we think, and we can just go and do things in our own strength. But God's like, no, I am the one in control. And so he is my deliverer, my healer, my protector. He protected me. Even in, I came out backsliding. He was a loving father and was there with open arms. The enemy wanted to say, no, look at you, look at you, messing up again and wanted to keep me in what's called condemnation. And I'm like, no, but the word says there is no condemnation for those in Christ. You know, he's my wonderful counselor. It was in the very beginning of jail that he was counseling me. I didn't know it then, but he was. When you receive him in your heart, there's this ministering of the spirit. The Bible says, I will teach you all truth. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But most importantly, he's my father. I don't know, maybe some people don't have an earthly father, but when you get to know God as your father, there's nothing like it. Yeah, he's my everything. And I pray, and I just pray that this story glorifies Him. It is nothing that I did. I surrendered. Yeah. Amen. Jessica, for those that are watching right now, and, and you know, I, I am believing in faith that even people in prisons are going to be able to watch this right here. Um, but for those who are currently in prison and are relating to your story, um, and even those who are coming out of prisons and maybe they're in that same place, right? Where trying to figure out what life looks like on the other side. What Could you just give a word of encouragement to those in prisons and to those who are coming out of prisons who are connecting with your testimony right Absolutely. now? Absolutely. I would say stay in the word. Stay in the word of God. The word is living and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it goes to the heart. God is about the heart. You could be in jail, you can be outside of jail, but you can still be incarcerated in your mind. And God wants to come in and show you why it is that you're even here on this earth. He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And the enemy wanted to come in and steal that with whatever pain, whatever trauma you've experienced. He wants to come in and do a heart surgery, a heart transplant, clean you up from the inside out. If this isn't living proof, I don't know what is. 
Stay in the word. Pray. Pray, pray, fight for that faith. Stand on those promises because the enemy wants to come in and lie and say, look at you. You're here. You're always going to be here. Or whatever it was that was implanted, maybe in childhood, these lies, these insecurities, these um, things that want to hold us because the enemy wants us never to grow in the Lord. But God is all-powerful. He makes the impossible possible, and He wants to do great and marvelous things which you do not know. And I would say, yeah, if you're in jail, it's the perfect time to use it as your um, battleground, as your um, boot camp, not be distracted, read the Word, cultivate that habit, because the Word is our spiritual food. We Now that we've received Christ, we have a Holy Spirit living inside of us that needs to be fed. And that word shows us what's going on inside of us. And so it convicts us when we're doing wrong. It disciplines us because God is a God of love. He disciplines us. He chastens us. He wants um, to set us apart to use us for, for His glory. And let me tell you this too, whatever mess you're in, He will use that and turn that into a message because it's this story right here that sets people free. Nobody can argue your story, that rescue story that God has over your life. God wants to use because it's to glorify Him. It's all glory to the Lord Why I'm sitting here today sharing what He's done in my life. The Bible says that He restores what the locusts have eaten in our life. My relationship with my families have healed. I'm back, uh, you know, in relationship with my siblings, with my mom. You know, he's restored all things, but most importantly, me with God. You know, it's, it's God who we sin against and God wants to, I mean, he's coming back soon. So no matter where you're at, just get to know God. Put him first in every area and he will do the rest and he will do the rest. Amen. Jessica, for those who are watching right now and are ready to give their life to Jesus, you know, mm. maybe they're hearing your testimony right now and just how you heard that uh, one <laughs> preacher come into the jail and mm. preach the word of God, mm. preach salvation. Yeah. And you said, hey, me, 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 me. Mm. And that person right now is saying, me, me, me. Could you just pray for that person yes. who is ready to receive Jesus into their life? Or maybe that person also that backslid mm. and uh but it's ready to rededicate their life to jesus could you just pray for them as you're watching thank you jesus father god i just thank you i thank you for sending your one and only son on our behalf none of us deserve it not one of us are good your word says that we all fall short of the glory of god and lord we are all in need of a savior and so, Lord, for those that are on the fence of even receiving and even uh, uh, giving their lives to you, your, your word says today's the day of salvation, Lord, that we are all going to die one day and we need to know where it is that we're going. And so, Lord, right now, I just say a prayer to receive you into their hearts right now, God, because if you're watching this right now, the Lord is already drawing you. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. You just say this prayer. Heavenly Father, I realize I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. Lord, forgive me for my sin. I believe that your Son died on the cross and rose on the third day. And I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sins and come live into my heart. I dedicate my life to you. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just lift up those who have backslidden, those who are dabbling, one foot in the world, one foot with God. It just doesn't work. 
Lord, the enemy wants to say condemnation. The enemy wants to draw them away from the word, away from fellowship, away from accountability. But in Jesus' name, I pray because, Lord, you're there with open arms, like a loving father saying, come to me. Come to me, whoever is burdened, whoever is carrying a heavy load, come to me. And I, you will find rest for your souls in Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that any spirit of condemnation coming upon them would be lifted off and they would run back to you. Run back to you, Lord. Your word says that you teach us all truth. And Lord, I pray for those that for the right people in their lives, the right church, Bible-believing church to get connected with God. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit your Holy Spirit that guides us and teaches us, delivers us and heals us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jessica, do you have any last words for those who are watching your testimony right now? No matter what we go through, and we're all, life happens to all of us um, at different levels, we as Christians will be tested with trials and I believe recently the Lord is speaking to me a lot about keep your eye on the cross. Don't come out of love with your first love, that moment when you gave yourself to Him. And just keep falling more and more in love with Him and focusing your mind on Him. Because as we do so, it's in that times where whatever trial we're facing, actually God is burning off the shackles in those trials. So to just be encouraged to not look at the, the trials or the circumstances or the problem or the person. Just look to Jesus. Because when we look to Jesus and the cross and all he has done, we are then in a spirit of thankfulness. Be thankful. I love to write out thank what I'm thankful for. Start off my day with that because that's a language the enemy does not know. And you know what? Just to know the word and have it in your heart. The days are dark. Jesus is coming soon. So everyone has a story. I encourage you. It may not be like this story. Any story, how you came to Christ, share it. Because God knows the hearts of the people that are around you, around you is your mission field to be bold in these days and to continue just to stay in the fellowship don't forsake the assembly of your brethren and and ask god how he can use you because it's him he he qualifies the uh unqualified how does that go <laughs> so yeah and make yourself available but be encouraged stay in the word and um keep your eyes on him never on what is going on around you Hey, everybody. I hope the new testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are in need of help, that we have people that are ready to speak with you. So down in the description box below, in the comment section, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, if you're listening from our podcast, just look for the link that says, talk to someone who cares. Click on that, fill out the form, and somebody will get in contact with you locally. Now, this is only available to people in the U.S. right now, but we are working to get resources for our international viewers and listeners. But for right now, if you are in the U.S. and you need help, you need to talk with somebody, please fill out that form and somebody will reach out to you. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next testimony.